stimmt nicht. Nee. Yes. Um, I heard you say that you used to pray to um, Nityananda or Prabhupada. I think I heard you say that. So I was wondering um, if there was like specific type of prayer you would make to Nityananda or Prabhupada, like depending on the, I don't know. I was wondering if there was um, if you would like approach the different personalities for different reasons or recommend doing that or praying so there may be some scope for that different persons different different uh, different person different um, purposes but um, that said with regard to the example you give Prabhupada and Dinanda Prabhu I think uh, I know what I might have said you know, already heard that but mm-hmm. these are um, generally thought of as you know foundational principles the guru and Nityananda Prabhu is often um, referred to as a Kanda Guru Tattva the, the, the kind of the, the reservoir of all the, the whole principle of guru mm-hmm. and so they uh, they kind of go together in that respect and Prabhupada was very much empowered by Nityananda Prabhu so um to get power <laughs> to do the mission impossible is just more or less what Prabhupada prayed for and as a result he got the power of Nityananda Prabhu so for the extension of that and, and uh, it's not necessarily a big mission that I refer to as mission impossible as was the case with Prabhupada but with every jiva every devotee it's um, it's to transcend the the limits of if humanity becomes super become a superman or woman <laughs> a humble gentle one hmm? so we need all the strength we can get and and that's where we tend to go to for strength at the Nanda Guru 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 Tattva hmm? um, again along those lines that the Nanda Guru is is um, often prayed to with regard to his ability to clear the field, the obstacles. Samsara vasana mora kabetu chahabe arukabinitai chandaya karanohibe samsara vasana mora kabetu chahabe Move through all the influence of the vasanas, the desires and samskars that um, keep us moving around in samsara mm. uh, he uh, cleared the path if you will for Kaviraj Krishnadas to enter Vrindavan and have the association of the Goswamis and and uh, attain the service opportunity that he did to write Chaitanya Charitamrita mm. so um, this is kind of a lower side was thought of, and it's a high side, but it's, <laughs> everything's high in Gaudi Vaishnavism. But um, it's, it's, it's a side, if you will, of the Dinanda Prabhu that pertains to everybody. Mm-hmm. All devotees um, require his, his strength, and, uh, and he's the, the biggest giver of gore, so to speak, to the world, and, and so on. So 
everyone will think of it in that respect. And then in a higher sense, you have persons like Krishna's Kaviraj, or, or excuse me, Vrindavan Dastav, or, who, who was uh, particularly attached to Nityanandabhu in a, in a, in a prayojana sense, as an ideal. And uh, as Balaram presiding over the Sakiras, and so he, this is a, another side that not, there will not be something that Nidinanand Prabhu is petitioned in relation to for all Gaudiya people, but some Gaudiya people, but for all Gaudiya people. A broader sense, he, he, he gives Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives Radha and Krishna. Um, he, uh, as I say, clears the obstacles. Mm. And uh, and this also kind of a, a, a side of Guru Tattva, that the general idea about Nityananda, the side of Guru Tattva that will be most pertinent to us. And, in Sadhana Bhakti. Mm. What else? Yes? Kind of along these lines, I was wondering if there was a way you could conceptualize Gauranitai while chanting the Maha Mantra, or the Guru while chanting the Maha Mantra. Mm. Well, there will be different stages in the chanting, but in the in the beginning stages, um, I would think that uh, one would tend to conceptualize them as the givers of the grace and, and the method um, to the madness that is Gaudiya Vaishnavism and embodying it, and and uh, so the uh, the compassionate side of under their distribution and and, uh, and so on um, as I say the givers um, is probably how most devotees would think or tend to think more of Gornatai and then there's the other side as, as gold also in, in Gornatai so in that regard then uh, then well we sing in the morning mm, about the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and uh, we have the two, two songs for the Mangalarti and a song afterwards that we sing. And um, this uh, talks more about the ideal, from a, um, rather than as a way, the goal. So. Uh, I say is that they're the givers and the gift, but the gift is also themselves uh, in Gorlila. And so there are some, uh, well, verses about, about both there. And that's a whole um, um, meditation that one can. Um, uh, be engaged in, along with chanting, if they have the capacity to to think of the 
verses in the past times bring them to life. Um, so, again, there's two sides. There's a higher side and the lower side. And uh, if you could take the higher side, Chaitanya uh, Mahaprabhu's Lila, and uh, as you become aware of that, and we, we try to bring students to an awareness of that, and, and obviously in the beginning of singing these songs, it's clear that they're merciful and kind and generous and and there are many nice verses along those lines, and we'll obviously remember that. Uh, but we like to stress here that they are not only the givers of a gift that is Krishna Leela, but their own Leela hmm, is, an, is, uh, is an ideal of uh, Gaudi Vaishnavism as well. Hmm. And even in the context of that, attaining that, one can attain uh, Krishna Leela also. So, so those songs are very useful, and um, I would think that uh, they offer a... I, I guess, I don't know if you want, uh, you, you asked in relation to chanting, they offer a meditation on Gornatai that's on higher side, and, and, um, and they frame a picture into which one can aspire to enter in Dasibhav and, and so forth. And they correspond with, well, the Mughal Arctic song corresponds with that time and then the other song with all the different times of the day and so forth. So you, the idea is to, is to invoke them and bring them to mind in the course of the day and um, remember them. But with regard to the chanting, I guess that's what you asked. Now that I think back, I'm not sure... Um, what you're thinking of, but perhaps different uh, devotees have. Um, it's it's like as I say it with given commentaries on the, the Maha Mantra that are not really like commentaries <laughs> that you might think of, but um, um, ways in which. The Maha Mantra kind of plays itself out in the Leela. The name in the Leela moves to the background and energizes, and service comes to the foreground. But, um, but it um, nonetheless represented there, and uh, in the context of the Leela, so some like Jibhagasami, I think maybe. Um, Some others, maybe Gopal Guru, Dhyan Chandra, the Swamis, spoken about that. Um, but I haven't seen anything in, in relation to Gaur Leela. In Gaur Leela, of course, the chanting is prominent. It's not prominent, but it's, in, it's there in the background, the name energizing. In Krishna Leela, it's there. They do chant, but... Um, and there are some explanations of of Radharani chanting Hare Krishna, and of course she doesn't find her own name in, in that, um, <laughs> as others might, and so forth. So. Um, but in Gorlila, I guess what you're referring to then, that the chanting is prominence, is part of the Leela. Mm-hmm. So, 
there the Rasa Kirtan and the House of Shivas and they're going to send Kirtan every day, crossing the Ganges and and so on. So I would think that just remembrance of the Leelas and the way in which that Sankirtan and invoking the Mahamantra takes place in the context of the Leela would be um, appropriate. And in the context of that, they're chanting, they're thinking of Krishna Leela. Hmm. So I would think more to you want to sit and enter the chanting and you think Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would Chaitanya Bhagavad mandated to all of his disciples you can read the section and remember to chant this Mahamantra Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 and Vodha Shikshastaka when he said Nam Nama Kari Bhauda Nidhisapsa Jishtatarapitanyamita Smaranena No hard and fast rules so you think about all the Nanabhavi instructions about the holy name that, that make up for the Nam Dharma that is the central activity of the Gore uh, Leela. Hmm. Aspire to have some participation there, something like that. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Yes. In a uh, relatively recent uh, class, you mentioned that knowledge is a corollary to detachment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking. Is Sambandha Gyan a corollary to attachment to Krishna? Is it like hmm. necessary? Is Sambandha Gyan necessary? Yes, Sambandha Gyan is very much necessary. Um, Sambandha means relationship, so it, it's the knowledge of how things are related. It's like we, we say, um, well, let's say, for example, the Upanishadic statement. Sarvam kolo vidam brahma. Everything is brahman. Hmm? So there's only brahman. Hmm? Now, so the Mayavadis say, therefore there's no world, there's no jiva, hmm? there's only brahman. And we say, no, everything is brahman. So the jiva is brahman. Maya is also part of brahman. They're his shaktis. Hmm? So, if you say... How can you say that the jiva is a part of Brahman when Brahman is un, unchangeable or un, undividable, indivisible? Hmm? We say the jiva is part and parcel of, of the absolute right of God, of Brahman. Hmm? But Brahman is said to be indivisible. So how can there be a jiva? Well, it's it's a question of what you conceive of as Brahman to begin with. Hmm? So we conceive of a Brahman as the energetic who has energies. So the jiva is not is part of Brahman. It's the nature of Brahman. So. So you can't divide the jivas up <laughs> either. So, so it's not that the jivas are divided from Brahman, but they're part of Brahman. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So if, you, if your question, of, if your conception of Brahman doesn't include Brahman having shaktis, being possessed of shaktis, that's your fault. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> that's your it's your shortcoming, your misreading of the scriptures. 
You've got an energetic without any energy. Hmm. What kind of energetic is that? So, you know, this energy and energetic, this is a nice idea. It's, they're, they're inseparable, but they're different, too, uh, to an extent. Hmm. Not, right now we're experiencing the, the, the heat, and I'm experiencing the light, because I can see behind me the, the fire, hmm. which is the fire. Hmm. But we're not in the fire either, so which would be a different experience. Um, so, 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 therefore, Sridhar Maharaj once said, "Yes, sarvam kalavidam Brahma. All things are Brahman. So all things are Brahman. So the jiva is also Brahman. Not that we do away with them, the Maya Shakti and so forth. So these are different energies. So that said." Sambandha jnan means, therefore, um, in, 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 in Advaita Vedanta, jnan means knowing Brahman. Hmm? And, uh, and, and I would say the, the, the oneness between jiva and Brahman, the difference is an illusion, it's thought. Hmm? Um, so, so knowledge, so, 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 so real knowing is to know the oneness between Jiva and Brahman. Um, now, in Gaudi Vedanta, as I say, we acknowledge that the Godhead has different shaktis. Brahman has a different shakti. I'm just using Brahman in an overarching sense for the absolute. Obviously, we also... When we look more closely, we say Brahman, Paramatma, Bhagavan, but I'm just using look, Brahman as a overall reference. So, uh, which is the Upanishad kind of language, right? So, um, given that the, the, the Brahman, the Absolute, has the Shaktis, then how they all relate, so Sambandha means relation, what's the relationship between everything that is Brahman? Hmm? So the relationship between the Jiva and Maya Shakti, the Maya Shakti, and the Godhead and the Jiva and the Godhead and and so on. Um, and so this Sambandha Gyan, this is it's important, it's, it's essential, it's, it includes knowledge about about God, about Bhagavan. Hmm? Um, and, and that's required for bhakti. You have to have knowledge about Krishna to do engage in bhakti to Krishna. You have to understand who is Krishna and have heard and and so on and so forth. So yet the Sambandha Gyan is, uh, is essential. Mm-hmm. And uh, your question is that if knowledge has a, as its corollary detachment, mm-hmm. as I often state, mm-hmm. um, then the Sambandha Gyan, that kind of knowledge, does it have as its corollary attachment? Is what you're saying. Because you're thinking that, that um, the knowledge about Krishna and the possibility of relationship with Krishna and so forth, and the whole bhakti idea, as I often say, is about attachment. We progress by attachment, by sangha, not by vairagya. Um, so I appreciate the way you're thinking about it, but I would say that yes, the this sambandha gyan, hmm, as opposed to 
the ordinary idea of gyan, the difference between jiva and maya, hmm? or from the mayavad perspective, you would, the non-difference between jiva and brahman. Hmm? Um, uh, uh, the, the, that knowledge of the difference between jiva and maya brings about detachment from the world. But uh, in the Sambandagyan, it fosters attachment hmm, to Bhagwan, his devotees and bhakti and so forth. Um, however, that said, it also includes within it the fact or the, the, re- the reality of detachment from the world. But it's a byproduct. So in their in, in therefore in the Gyan Marg it's all about detachment. Detachment is the way. Mm-hmm. But in Bhakti the way is attachment to Krishna and his devotees. And but at the same time detachment arises as a natural consequence, as a byproduct. Mm-hmm. So it's not the way, it's not the goal, but it is a re- it is a result that happens. It's an important result that happens. Mm-hmm. So yes, sambandagyan it, it fosters attachment. That's true, and so the corollary, of course, you could say of sambandagyan is attachment to Krishna. It did, uh, but it, it it also results in detachment. It's not that, it, and and the two go kind of hand in hand. As as we as we were becoming attached to Krishna, then we we're becoming detached from from Maya. So there's more. Yeah, I guess you want to say there's more than detachment that accrues from the Samandagyan. Hmm. That is. Uh, Includes knowledge of Krishna and and, uh, and uh, all such things. Mm-hmm. Um, attachment, uh, Krishna's devotees develops and detachment follows. Therefore, it said, Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janiyati Ashuvai Rakyam Gyanam Chayohita Kam. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita. So devotion to, to Vasudev Krishna hmm, is such that very quickly it brings about knowledge and detachment as a byproduct. Hmm. So we make small of it. Hmm. Not that it's a small thing. By way of pointing is something bigger that it is a, is a part of. Hmm. And a small part of because once it's accomplished, then there's so much more. Hmm. You know, you wonder in the Gyanmar, once the detachment is accomplished, what more is there? There you go, you're detached, and there's nothing else to be said. And there's so much to be said after that. So it's a small thing in that respect. Hmm. Does that help? Yes, thank you. What else? Yes. How much could um, detachment 
that doesn't arise out of attachment help. Like before the attachment is created mm-hmm. to kind of like forcibly, possibly detach yourself to hopefully create attachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some place for that um, the effort, if you will, and sometimes we speak of it um, um, thus that uh, if you know that something is unfavorable to bhakti, hmm, then you forego it hmm, because you, you want to engage in bhakti if you, if you if loving Krishna. If this is not favorable for loving Krishna, then you, you it's kind of the way you're talking about it. Hmm. Not that you developed love of Krishna, so you've lost interest. But in, in a sense, you have. I mean, the reason you have a reason for giving up and reason for making an effort, and a, and, a, and a reason for seeing it the way that you do—that something is un, un, unworthy of maintaining an attachment or habit, what may be the case. Hmm. So it is arising out of bhakti. It's not out of, arising per se out of a out of a, out of a taste, but it, but for out of an ideal and an aspiration and a yeah, yeah, a goal and uh, how can you be interested in something if you have no you have some taste for it? Hmm. It's not you might be thinking of taste in a bigger in a in a more profound sense, and I appreciate that. But I, I would I wouldn't say that that even the effort taken to forego something that you have learned is not favorable to bhakti is it, it constitutes a detachment that is not based on attachment I think the attachment is small but how much attachment for Krishna do you need to have to let go of the material world again it's a small thing but in the material world Hmm. I know it seems big, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a small thing. Hmm. So, higher side of attachment to Krishna. Hmm. We have the stage, for example, of asakti. Hmm. It's after ruchi. And in ruchi, already the taste for the world is gone. Hmm. And in nishta, some taste may be there, but there is... Um, enough faith, conviction, interest in bhakti to continue to practice at a level that those seeds, if you will, of desires um, don't have an opportunity to fructify. Hmm. So that's maybe kind of a way of answering your your question. Hmm. And nishta means, I'm referring to practice that's steady, and then there's unsteady practice. But even in unsteady practice, we make an effort to be steady in our practice. Hmm. Um, but in one sense, in a broader sense, as I'm saying, none of this is without any taste. Any, any you, have, you have some feeling for the ideal before you're going to give your, your life to that. Make it the center focus of your, your whole whole existence. So there are higher ideas of attachment. 
lower ideas of attachment. I think all of the renunciation in bhakti is really coming out of a of a positive orientation rather than an orientation directly per se on renunciation. Now you can become like that and people can become like start to um, without good association they may lose focus and then you, sometimes you do find devotees engaging in, in austerities and so forth as if austerities will beget um, uh, bhakti and they extremes and, and so forth and the guy performs the all of the chatur masya vrat I knew this one fellow for like four months you know no shaving no, no cutting the fingernails no hair cutting eating once a day kitri with no spice with your hands behind your back, only as much as you can bend over and eat like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right, just I'm a brahmacharya, and right after the four months, he got married. <laughs> <laughs> he stuck out in the crowd. Oh, he's a real good devotee. And then someone got their eyes on him, I guess. And, <laughs> and he got, you know enamored by that and so <laughs> uh, so yeah but uh, yeah some efforts there hmm? and why because we want to do it right and, uh, and, and accept things that are favorable and be a sharanagata and so forth so when we say uh, and I think that's it's worth uh bringing that up when, when, when we say that the detachment comes from attachment and just like when a tree when the fruits are ripe they'll fall off and so forth it's not an excuse for saying well when I get attached then all those things will you know, go away in the meantime I'm just waiting for that attachment to come so so, so that's the way you're thinking about it also uh, that should be avoided obviously and that's not good so there is a place for for effort, but the whole reason for the effort is um, is positive. So it's not re- renunciation or detachment for its for its own sake. It, it never is in the context of bhakti. Does that help? Yeah. What else? Maybe it seems to require maybe a leap of faith to... Um, Pardon me? <clears throat> maybe does it um, kind of require kind of maybe... Um, I guess you could say a leap of faith to uh, to practice even without that kind of... You know, you're kind of putting that effort to get that grace. It seems it takes like, I don't know, some faith in the philosophy or something to, to kind of stick with the process even if you don't... But you know, we're moving on the basis of faith. Mm-hmm. Faith is... The animating principle in life. So, if you don't have faith, what can you do? In anything, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have faith, this will work. Then you don't do it. Whatever it is, um, you have faith that by paying the money on the credit card or whatever, you're going to get something. By stepping on a plane, you're going to come out on the other side of the ocean. 
it's it's you don't think of it like that because well it's so well supported and so well reasoned and so forth but um, but it could crash <laughs> in the ocean um, so in general that's why Krishna says in the Gita that faith is the animating principle I am Shadhayam Purushaha a person is their faith so as I said the other night, well, faith is the what gives us the eligibility to tread the path of bhakti. And faith is required in the karma mark, the jnana mark, the yoga mark also, but faith plus something else, but only faith and uh, for bhakti. Hmm. So you'd say it's a leap of faith. <laughs> I don't know if that really... You've already done that. So it's, it's not blind faith. There are aspects of the philosophy that you don't have experience of. Hmm that you have faith in. Mm-hmm. And so you proceed on the basis of that faith. And then there are those things that, as, that you're f- where as a result of your faith and your corresponding action, you're having result, experience. So then faith becomes, in that sense, synonymous with experience. It's a more developed idea of the faith. Mm-hmm. It's my faith, and my faith is tangible. Hmm. And so the sharing of one's faith is the sharing of one's experience, conviction. And conviction uh, comes both from theory and from experience. But experience obviously outweighs all the theory. Hmm. Theory is important, but a little experience goes a long long way. Um, So we have faith in... In, in general to tread the marg and then we get some experience and that fosters greater faith and eventually faith and experience will become one. Does that help? Yeah, that's good. good yeah. enough. Okay. <laughs> unclear question and unclear answer. <laughs> I don't know if they connected entirely, but anyway, yeah. I'll try another question. Okay. <laughs> good. good. Uh, um, so I heard you saying that, um, like, for instance, an acharya can, different acharyas might comment on the same verse from different angles of vision, like, mm-hmm. like um, some bit sandini, ladini, like, kind of maybe they're being influenced by that different influence, and so they look at things in a different way. I was curious if you could give an example of like, of. Um, Looking, looking at a particular verse from like those three different viewpoints, or kind of an example of what that means. Well, you might look at the ideas that that uh, that Nityananda Prabhu is the Balaram is the guru, Radharani is the guru. We hear Krishna is the guru. We hear, which is true. So, from the Ladini perspective, Radharani is the guru. From the from the Sandini perspective, Balaram is the guru. From the Sambit perspective, Krishna is the guru. Hmm. They preside over these three aspects and so forth. So um, that would be an example of uh, how to harmonize different... St- well, he says, Radharam is the guru. He said, Balaram is the, the guru. You know, the, the, I don't know. The, the principle of guru, something like that. Um, 
Yeah, it's not so much uh, that there would be so many verses like this, but from the perspective of the the Paravyom or the Leela, something like that, mm-hmm. where the Sandini, Samvidladini are operative, like the Gunas are operative here, Rajas, Thomas, and Sattva. So, Sandini, Samvidladini, there's some some Bhagavanas functioning there. And so, in the context of the Leela, then, those different influences and different perspectives. Mm-hmm will come out. And so you might find that in relation to commentaries about uh, about the Leela, hmm? the nature of Vrindavan, different perspectives. that help? I'll have to ask more questions, but yeah, let's see. What else? In Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on 126 on the high to key, Mm-hmm. He explains how bhakti is causeless. But then he goes into different types of bhakti, namely like karma mishra bhakti, jnana mishra bhakti, and he says that sometimes those types of bhakti come with cause. So I'm wondering what he means by that. How any type of bhakti can have a cause? With cause. Not sure what he means there. I have to look at that, but um, in karma mishra bhakti, jnana mishra bhakti, the goals are different, and bhakti is there as an assistance, so to speak, to help the person attain the goal. Hmm. And um, so it's, it's not the full face of bhakti. It's not that bhakti is dependent uh, tattva. Um, but perhaps he means someone has a certain objective in mind that's not bhakti, and bhakti comes to assist. Hmm. And so, in that sense, there's a reason for the bhakti. Mm. You understand? Reason hetu means cause. So there's a reason. I want to attain this. And so bhakti is... And it's also... Karma is also there. You know, in the Shastra, someone wants the karma mark. Mm. So, for reason, there's some bhakti injected within the varnashram that it might be successful. Hmm. or someone wants to attain Brahman Sayuja hmm. and uh, so some bhakti is necessary so she comes to assist so there's a reason for it rather than just being um, what he's really talking about there is bhakti for its own sake hmm. that's what he means by causeless Bhakti for bhakti's sake, bhakti not for any other reason. So if there's bhakti for another reason, 
then hetu reason means means cause. It's the same idea. Hmm? Mm-hmm. So they they have a purpose. But we are interested in haituki bhakti, without any cause, without any purpose, without any other objective that we want to derive um, from bhakti. We don't want to use bhakti for something. She may lend herself to you know to help someone attain whatever. Hmm? But what he's really speaking about there in terms of Hoytuki is not so much that it's without any motive it is, but it is but he, but he means like I said that one wants bhakti only for bhakti only for bhakti's sake hmm. that's a Hoytuki bhakti for another reason is not a Hoytuki but there's bhakti there does that help? Mm-hmm. so there's reason hmm. It's, it's very confusing why Bhakti David would want to help out in that situation. Well, those are goals that are given in the Shastra and people relative to their eligibility, you know, approach the, the scripture in those in those ways for such things. And um, so in order for them to have efficacy, her, her presence is required. Hmm. Most people want those things. If you could never get, there's a, there's all you know from the broader perspective. You take the karma. I mean, most people are just. It's even said in relation to jnana and karma in the Gita that those who have knowledge shouldn't disturb the minds of people that don't by telling them. The implication is, all these things you want are here today and gone tomorrow, and uh, you know, because they don't have eligibility to just do jnana meditation you got all these things in their hearts just tell them that just disturbs their mind hmm. so it's told one shouldn't shouldn't do that hmm. um, so um, different people have different eligibility the vast majority of people want th- want things I um, it reminds me of something I uh, someone sent me a message with a with a video in it on Facebook it would be a good one for us to watch documentary which I think that incidentally I think that these movie nights should consist of documentaries rather than Hollywood productions which may have some good points in them but carry other themes mm-hmm. that are, tend to be uh, distractions so anyway this one is about environmentalism and about how the um, modern agriculture, 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 um, with regard to animals, cows, in particular, raising cows in the way that the modern world does for meat, and I assume for dairy as well. But how it is the largest uh, contributor to um, global warming? Hmm. I mean, you take all the things together and they show, you know, I didn't watch the whole thing, but all, all the things together combined hmm, that are thought to be human uh, causes for um, climate change, they don't compare to this one industry. Hmm. And so the guy is basically 
realizing this, and then he's thinking, why aren't all these environmental organizations making this point and so forth? And he goes and interviews people and Greenpeace and Sierra Club and this and that, and, and they just blank out on him, you know, basically. Uh, like, you know, because they've got to give up, give up eating meat. There's just no reason. You can't, they, they couldn't, they can't be, they just can't. <laughs> I just said, well, we think about it differently. Uh, what? You know, I just gave you the facts. You know, and you're, you're always putting out these facts. This percentage does this, this, and people just use different kinds of light bulbs and different kind of shower heads and drive Priuses, and, you know. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, eating one hamburger is, was like the amount of water that it took to produce that, you know, from a, in the, in the um, animal slaughter industry and so forth. It's just, a, you, you, it was like 200 showers or something like that, two months worth of showers, you know, in terms of conserving water. And so, so, I mean, nothing could be more obvious, but the people just don't have any space for it. They get even your, your staunchest a good number of them, staunch environmentalists, just have no ear for it. So we watch it, but I just, I'm just reminded of it that you know you, people have desires, and you kind of kind of come and tell them hmm, you shouldn't have these desires. There's just no, no 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 place for it. So, therefore, they should pursue their desires. It's the scriptural idea in a legal way. Hmm? by sacrifices and so forth. And in the context of that, there's a little bit of bhakti because they've got to worship Vishnu on this day and so forth. It has efficacy and and they've, they've moved from just doing whatever they want to pursuing their wants in a religious context and they have to refer to the scriptures and gradually the implication is that they, the real fruit that they will get from their religious orientation in pursuit of things. It's not the things, but some faith in the scripture. Hmm. Because they'll, 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 they'll be effective. They'll get the desired result. So then they look further into the scripture and then they have a, some appetite for that and then they can hear more. Hmm. And, uh, of course, they live like a bountiful, happy life. And so, you know, uh, they're not... In, in in dire straits and want and and, and then nobody here for you know I can't eat I'm not I'm hungry and I can't you want me to meditate you know <laughs> something like that so uh, there's a place for all these things now from your perspective you know you're a devotee so you're thinking well this is not a mandate that that pertains to bhakti it pertains to gyan the gyanis can't tell the the, the karmis Mm-hmm. Um, things that will disturb their mind. Mm-hmm. They should wait until they rise to a certain platform and within the context of sakam karma, they come to nishkam karma. Mm-hmm. And so it's obviously some people can hear and they're ready to hear, but you don't throw pearls before the swine, I guess, to use a biblical adage. Reverse um, would be the idea now, but but this doesn't pertain to bhakti. Hmm. It's thought bhakti can override, and you can tell 
ordinary people, that you can have things but use them for Krishna, something like that. But even then, there's <laughs> I can't have everything. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, you, 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 there's a place... I guess the scripture says there's a place for everything. You know, let's just harness it and in such a way that there will be a gradual result. Mm-hmm. And so, if bhakti did not make the karma marg efficacious, then the people who were had a taste for that, faith in that alone, and, and so forth, they wouldn't be able to tread the mark and get the results. The, the greater result of which, as I said, is faith in the scripture, which causes them to look deeper into it, and so on. Hmm. You know, if you if you develop an aptitude for religious life, and you go to the temple and you pray, and the priest gives a blessing, and you get a get a good result, and then you develop this liking for the priestly people. And, and so forth. And so then you hear this one down the street and then you go and then he happens to be preaching about renunciation rather than about acquisition and so forth. But you, because you've got some, developed some sympathy, you're hearing saintly persons and you can hear it perhaps and it can cause an epiphany, a change within. Follow. So this is the idea of the Vedas. It tries to take everybody into consideration. There, it looks like there are many different paths, but that's why the sutras try to bring it all together and say it's all saying one thing here, you know, if you understood properly. Hmm? There's a system to it. Now you get ordinary, extraordinary circumstance, which happens to be ours, and this benediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and so forth. It does kind of turn things on, on its head and so forth. It never asks questions like that. And, but that's the reason behind it all. Hmm. And, and you see, people have some scar for gyan. It's very difficult for them sometimes to take up bhakti. Better to let them do some bhakti in the context of gyan. Hmm. Then to insult bhakti some do then they won't get any good result mm. and you know you get some argumentative gyani just don't do bhakti and enter into Brahman that's said you don't have to deal with them anymore <laughs> <laughs> they become silent <laughs> silence is your goal take it <laughs> okay <laughs> You should just sit silently. I'll do the talking. Those are the two philosophies. <laughs> what else? What's the time? Seven thirty. Right, we started at six thirty, right? Shri <laughs> <laughs>